just tell Father that you love him tell, and tell him that he's good. Just tell him right now. Thank him for being a good daddy. Thank him for always having your best in mind. Even when he says no. <laughs> good dad he knows what's best we were just talking about it last night where God has shut doors in our life and it's we're like thank you God for shutting that door in hindsight you know just because he's a good father and then when he opens doors he know he knows what's good for you that's why we trust the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding but in all your ways submit or acknowledge him he will make your path straight so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. We bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you, worship team. Well, it's a such a an honor and privilege to be able to... Uh, just introduce Nick and Marlene Boyd to you guys. They are their family, their tribe, however you want to slice it. They're kindred spirits, blood brothers and sisters, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's, it's all true. <laughs> but uh, we, got to, we got connected with them through Stephen Marcy Fish. How many of y'all know who Stephen Marcy Fish are? They're kind of the grandparents of the awakening. And... Uh, but they're uh, Jessica and I's uh, a spiritual father and mother to us. And they go to uh, Mozambique often, at least once or twice a year, and through Iris Ministries. And they connected with Nick and Marlene over there, and they told us, they're like, you got to meet Nick and Marlene. Y'all would love them. And so uh, we started following on Facebook. And it's really weird. You can, like tell there's a spirit connection at times over Facebook. I'm not saying this every time. I'm just like, with them, I was just like, I was like, we, we do need to connect with these people, you know. So last year, I reached out to Nick um, over through Facebook message and because I knew they were coming to the States around the same, the same time last year. And so they came, and it was awesome. Um, and so we just, we knew it was family once we, once we met. And so now they're they're on a, like a little eight week uh, furlough type thing over here in the states. They're not really they're they're busy, <laughs> but they're touring the states. It's, a tour would probably be a little more accurate than furlough. And uh, but uh, so they've where they've started from. I don't want to get too much in their story, but where they've started from and where God's taken them in five or six years is is simply amazing. But uh, we're so honored. I want you to, let's stand up and give them a hand. Just thank you to God for Nick and Marlene Boyd. We want to honor them. They're going to tell you more about what they've got going on. I'm just going to hand it over to Nick here. It's good to see you guys again. Um, I recognized a lot of faces during worship from last year. 
and I see a lot of new faces too, which is really exciting. Um, yeah, it's really cool how God connected us with with Travis and the gays and this church through the fishes and also Bob and Kimberly Johnson as well. Um, so we're excited to be back. Um, a lot of you guys heard our story last year, so we're not going to share the whole story again um, to, to bore you guys. And just I just want to share a little bit about what's been going on in my heart. And I see some Harvest Schoolers back in the back, back there we saw in Pimba the last time we were there. It's good to see you guys again. Um, yeah, Marlene and I, our journey together started uh, almost five years ago. Well, I guess it started, yeah, a little before five years ago. What's that? Oh, you want the thing? Okay, there. I'll get you the thing. Here you go. Oh, there's papers, sorry. So, yeah, um, our journey started uh, just over five years ago together. Um, Marlene was serving with Iris in Mozambique as a missionary um, in Tete, Mozambique. God had me go to the Harvest School, quit my dream job as a construction supervisor in commercial construction in Alabama. Roll Tide, sorry. Guys, don't stone me, but... Um, anyways, yeah, I was, I had my dream job there as a construction engineer and was loving it. And one day walking around the building, I was building on the roof, praying, God said, this isn't what I have for you. And it kind of shook me a little bit. <laughs> I was thinking I've got it made. I've got my dreams, my plans set out. I know what house I want. I know what truck I want to drive. I know the farm I want out in the country, the beach condo, and so on. And God said, I've got something different for you, basically. And um, through a lot of steps of faith, took me to the Harvest School. And uh, I went, and he told me to go to Tete on Outreach, and that he had something special for me there. So I said yes, and went, and uh, met my wife while I was in the Harvest School. She came up from Tete to visit and um, visit Pimba and share some things with Heidi Baker. And uh, I met her there and thought she was an angel the first time I saw her. I was literally sitting in class praying to see angels. And this girl walks up in a white dress. And I thought it was an angel, honestly, until she kept getting closer and closer. And I was like, God, the angels look this real? <laughs> and um, he says, uh, don't blush, babe. He, God was like, no, she is real. And um, I'd been engaged, long story short, I'd been engaged before that, thought I knew who my wife was supposed to be. God called us to, to end that, call that off before our wedding, and he gave me a word in Song of Solomon that my wife would be a lily among the thorns, that she would stand out so far above the rest, and that the moment I saw her, I wouldn't know she's my wife. And so when I thought I saw an angel, then I remembered that vision of the lily among the thorns, and I, was, I went home that afternoon and told the guys I was rooming with, I said, I met my wife today, and they're like, who? And I said, I don't know. I don't know who she is, but I saw her, and she's my wife. Here we are, uh, February, January 6th. This coming January will be our five-year anniversary, Mary. Yeah. We're doing it. We're professionals now. Not really. We're learning. But, um... Yeah, so uh, we, God just merged our vision to, to rescue the orphan, the widow, those in human trafficking, et cetera, et cetera. And um, we 
I came back to Alabama and got married in God's country. And um, I know y'all say this is God con- God's country, but God's country is in Alabama. So if y'all haven't been, you need to go to Alabama and you'll, 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 you'll meet God there. So we, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. God's country is everywhere. So we, uh, we went back there, got married, and then a month after we got married, we got on a one-way flight to Mozambique. Um, with $400 commitments for us to live off of monthly. And that's all we had. And so um, I want to read a story to you guys that God's just been touching me since I've been back in the States with. It's really simple. It's nothing deep and extravagant. But I feel like it's for our generation. It's a word for us, for, for for you guys right here, right now, for for the younger generation, um, it's something that I feel like God's speaking to us in our hearts, and um, it 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 wraps into our testimony of where we are and what we're doing. So sorry, I move a lot and I talk with my hands. Um, but anyways, it's in uh, the Acts of the Apostles in Acts six. So I'm just going to read a little bit of this, starting in verse one. Uh oh. My Bible's falling apart, so it's hard to hold on to. Okay, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the other four. I can pronounce three properly, and that's Stephen, Philip, and Nicholas, because my name's Nicholas, so that one's easy. Um, But they chose the seven, and they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. And it goes on talking about Stephen and his story being seized and, and what God did through him, but as I was reading this, when we first got back to the States, um, God just kind of stopped me right there and started speaking to me about the choosing of the seven. And, and basically, um, like our heart's desire right now, what's burning in us um, is really to see our generation, to see you guys go for it, to give God a yes and just run and, and go and change the world. And I'm going to steal. My wife gets on to me because this is probably her, her one-liner for the day um, that she's been using. But it's been so good. And I keep hearing it in my heart, too. Um, she's, as we've been traveling and sharing, she's been telling people that uh, we've been speaking to a lot of young people, youth and stuff. God's opened doors to speak in the, uh, our generation and, and youth on this trip. And um, she said something the other day that just stuck with me that, that Christianity is in our hands, literally. That that our our religion, Christianity, is it's in our hands. And what are we going to do with it? And 
So, babe, I hope you weren't going to use that today. Good. Yes. <laughs> um, anyways, um, basically in this message, what God was showing me was that the body, you know, is coming together as a church. And the, you got this one group says, hey, our widows are getting overlooked and they're not getting fed. And so the, the leaders were just going to run out and do it. They were going to they were going to go out and feed the women. And they're like, well, if we do that, and I feel like the body, if they're all sitting around talking, they're like, well, you can't do that because if you go out and start feeding them, who's going to be left to teach us? And so they said, you're right, kind of we need to stay and teach because that's our gifting is to teach and, and lead and, and disciple. So you need to pick seven amongst you who have that gift. Have And they said, you know, the word says that, Choose seven who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and whatever. But basically, God just showed me that they, they went out and found seven, seven people in the body that could meet a need and meet the need that needed to be met and had that gift to go out and meet that need. And so through that, um, what I want to encourage you guys to do, like, I just feel like in this stream we're in today that this charismatic or whatever you want to call it group that we're in where we dance and raise our hands and some of us pray in tongues and all that crazy stuff and prophesy that um, we see people and we hear and we talked a little bit about this last night. A lot of people do get these crazy prophecies that are just spot on where somebody calls out your name and, and says God's calling you to this nation or this city or whatever and just, you know, reads all your mail and then some people get these really cool dreams and visions where God just downloads from heaven like, this is what I've anointed you to do. So we hear these testimonies and these things. And then I feel like what happens, uh, we, we all, a lot of us begin to, to feel like that's supposed to happen to me too. I'm supposed to get that prophecy or that vision or that dream that's just right there, just hits you and this is it. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I feel like a lot of our generation, that you, like you guys right here right now, our age, 20s and 30s, um, we're in that place where a lot of us are sitting around waiting on God. And we're waiting on that dream, that vision, and we're going after him in church, and, and we're, we are serving in church. And I, I know this is an active body, um, and I know a lot of you guys are serving here in the community and doing stuff. But I feel like deep down, a lot of you are still waiting on that thing for you. What is God calling you to do? Where is he calling you to go? And what is, what is the, the thing that he's created you for? And so I feel like, too, in the beginning, you know, in Acts here, these guys, it was, it was probably a lot like that, like we are today. And they're just going to church, doing their thing. And and they're doing stuff, they're serving together and whatever, and they're learning and going and getting taught. But a lot of them are probably just sitting there wondering, like, I wonder what I'm created for. What am I supposed to do? And so, but, but the picture that I feel like God's trying to paint in this story here is that they, they, they found a need and they found the people. They just decided, okay, these guys right here can go meet that need. And they sent them out. And they went and met that need. And the, the coolest part to me of this story is what happened. And so first I want to ask you a question, and I want somebody to actually respond. What, what is faith to you? 
Like, what's a definition of faith? What does that look like, somebody? Nobody's responding. Believe in. That's good. Believe in something you haven't seen or heard. Somebody else. What's faith to you? Trust. Somebody else. What's faith? Believing in something to the point where it causes an action in you. That's good. Somebody else. One more. What's that? Having hope in dark times. That's good. Um, all, there's no right or wrong answer to faith, I don't think. Um, all those are true, and they do describe faith. But I love what, what's your name? Mark. I love what Mark said. Um, because that's what God basically sums up what God's been speaking to me in this message. Faith is is an action. A lot of times, and what God showed me, a lot of times when I think faith, I think about trusting, believing, those things. That's what comes to mind first. It's just trusting in God or believing Him that He's going to provide for me to eat tomorrow when I don't have a job. Believing Him to provide a house if I didn't have a house and so on. You know, that's faith. I'm trusting God to to meet my need and do those things. I'm believing in him and so on. But what I feel like in this passage and what God is, is, is stirring in my heart, that faith is not so much sitting and trusting and believing, but faith is active. It's an action. It's Faith should be moving. In this picture, the body was moving. It was active. They weren't, well, in the beginning, it looks like they were sitting, but what happened is they moved. They saw a need and they met the need. And so with us, um, well, Marlene and I, neither one of us got that vision, that download, that thing from God, that prophetic word, that ooh-ah experience, that billboard sign. We didn't have that. We were going after God individually. We didn't know each other. We got two different stories. I, for me, I was going after God and seeking the Lord. And um, he just said, this isn't what I have for you. And I want you to learn to live by faith, and I want you to learn to serve people. And there was a lot of steps in between that and me getting to Mozambique. But what it did, it, it began me on a journey of me starting to move. Instead of me sitting and waiting on God to come meet me on my couch or meet me in my prayer closet or meet me, you know, where I'm going after him in church or whatever it was, it was God was calling me to get up off my butt and start doing something to move. And we're talking about it, and I got it wrong last night. Greg corrected me. I think, who, whose law did I say it was? Murphy's. Yeah, I brought up Murphy's law. Shows I was not a scholar by any means in school. But it's Newton's law was the proper law I was trying to bring up, which are two very, very different laws. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Newton's law says that an object in motion stays in motion. An object that is at rest stays at rest. And so God gave me that and related this scripture. And what I feel like the time we're in today in the world and the stuff that's going on in America, Hillary and Trump and 
the craziness that's going on everywhere that if we stay at rest, God's like, okay, you're going to stay at rest. But if you get up and move, I'm going to move you. If you'll move, I'll move you. And we are talking about last night, that, and, and my, our testimony, what we can share, that, that we know that I stand here today, and it's a, it's a testimony of God in my life and what he's done. As I've moved, God's moved. And when I get complacent, not saying God's ever complacent, but it's like he's like, okay, you want to be complacent? Be complacent. But if you want to move, I can move you. And, and we're talking about just how God is a good father. And we're just saying all these songs about him being a good father. And uh, some of those songs are the top hits right now, all about him being a good father. And for me, now that I'm a father and we have a little boy named Praise, if my, we, we, do, we were telling these guys we just got blessed with our dream piece of land on the river, on the Zambezi River in, in Tete, Mozambique, to build our own home outside of the healing home. And if praise is down there playing where there's crocs and hippos in, the, in our river that we see all the time, if praise is down there playing and I see him getting closer and closer to the river, do you think I'm going to let him walk off in that river where it's full of crocs and hippos? No. Because I'm a good father, I'll run down there and I'll get him back on a safe track or on the right track or in the, my wheel where I want him to go. And so... God is a good father. He's proven to us so many times, countless times, how he's a good father. And how if we're moving and we start to go in the wrong direction, he'll grab us and guide us back in the right track. If we're walking through the wrong door, he'll shut the door. But when we're sitting and waiting on God all the time, and we hear it all the time amongst our generation, and I'm waiting to hear from God. And we go speak at the Harvest School every year in Pemba, um, the Iris School, and we hear people all the time, I'm waiting on God to tell me my nation. I'm waiting on the city. I'm waiting on what, he's, what he wants me to do. But here what we see the body doing is they, they basically were like, guys, you've got dreams. You've got gifts. You've got passions in your heart. You've got things, qualities, and talents that God's given you. Who are the ones that can use those and go and feed the widow? And they, those guys went and did it. But what happened through their movement, through them going and doing, what it, what it says what happened, their, the number of believers was added to daily. The body grew. And then there were signs and miracles and wonders that came with them too when they moved. The lame walked, the, the dead raised, the people were healed. Because they were active, God showed up. Because they moved, they stepped out and said, hey, there's a need. I'm going to go meet this need. And God says, okay, you're moving. I'm going to bless that, and I'm going to move too. And he always comes behind and moves a lot bigger and does things that we can't do. So what that looks like for us and our story was going to Mozambique by faith on a one-way flight because Marlene was there. I was thinking, when I went to the harvest school, I was thinking I was going to actually go back to Pemba it's going to come home, sell my stuff, go back to Pemba and be the director of construction on the Iris Pemba base. Heidi was begging me to come back and oversee the people that have been there know their, their buildings and water and power issues are, 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 are huge. And so she was like, we need somebody that knows how to build to come and oversee these projects. So that's what I was going to do. But it looked like me going to Tete Mozambique on outreach, and Marlene there working with these orphan boys that didn't have fathers or mothers and no home, 
and nobody that loved them. And it looked like God's saying, here's a need. Are you going to walk by faith and come and meet the need? Father, the fatherless, are you going to build a home for these boys? Are you going to feed them? And I didn't get that, that billboard sign at all, but it was like, here it is. It's right in front of you. Are you going to meet the need? And God did speak to me one day and said, Nick, I've given you, I gave you the life I gave you because I wanted to equip you so that you could come and meet this need. I gave you the life I gave you, and I gave you the gifts and talents you've, you've got to come and build a home. You're a builder. You can build a healing home to father these boys, to rescue them. Are, are you going to meet that need? Are you going to be active? Or are you still waiting? Are you going to sit and wait and wait? And so um, it, it, that is, it's been one step at a time. It looked like that. I said, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. If that's it, we'll go. We'll, we'll come back here. We'll build a home for these boys. And then it looked like a week out from flying to Mozambique, the first time to move over there as, as a married couple, we're sitting there, and we, we thought we traveled literally from San Francisco, California, back to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, sharing our vision with people and churches and home groups and anybody that would have us. And we thought, man, money, people are going to hear our hearts, young people going to build an orphanage and rescue orphans in Africa. They're going to just throw money at us. Nada. It didn't happen. <laughs> Nobody threw money at us. Not a dollar, really. Um, we didn't get offerings. We got nothing. We're like, oh, my God, did we hear wrong? What happened? What is, what's going on? So faith looked like there's a need, but am I still going to go? I don't have any money. Am I still going to trust God? I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know how we're going to eat. We bought flights to Maputo, Mozambique by faith to buy a car there because cars are cheaper in Maputo than Tete. But then four days out from our flight, there's still mon no money in our account to go buy a car. So we're getting on the computer and trying to change flights from Maputo to Tete, reorganize everything and the flights. God changed the numbers on the screens. Literally, one leg added on was like $3,500. There's never been a ticket that high from Maputo to Tete in history. They're about five or $600. But he literally changed the numbers on the screen. And then I heard this ding, ding, ding in my head. And God's like, I told you by faith, I want you to move, go by faith. Faith wouldn't be me dumping it on your lap and saying, here's a million dollars, go build this home. Here's the money for your car. Here's the money to feed everybody and feed you and everything you need right here in your hands. There wouldn't be much of a testimony in that. There wouldn't be much faith in that. So God says, go. So it hit me and I said, babe, we've got to go by faith. Got to Joburg, and we're thinking, we went by faith. Get on our, uh, we get it to the people's house we're staying at. Get on our bank account. There's going to be money for a car for sure now because we left by faith. Nothing. We get to Maputo, same thing, Googling, checking our, get it, go to our bank account, checks. There's going to be money in there now. Nothing. Well, God, did we hear wrong? Did, did we miss it? Did we do something wrong? We question. The enemy starts sowing all these seeds into our head because I may not have all the money or all the things I think I need to do what God's called me to do or the, the gifts he's given me to go meet that need. I don't have it all up front, so I missed it. I, I, God, did, I'm, I'm on the wrong track now. And God's like, no, by faith, I want you to keep moving, keep taking steps, keep moving. So we go around Maputo looking for a car. We, we, keep, we could have sat there and said, we can't go look for a car because we have no money to buy a car. Why won't we do that? 
But no, we moved, we went, we looked for the car, found the car, perfect car, $17,500 for a 1996 Toyota 4Runner. We have no money, God. <laughs> How are we going to buy this car? By faith. Well, that looked like after the week was up of accommodations we had there, and we were about to be literally on the streets of Maputo with nowhere to go, we're praying, God, did we miss it? What do we do? Do we need to do something different? And the hospitality lady bangs on our door. The team that was coming can't come. They got divisas denied. You can stay as long as you, you need. And the next week, $11,500 comes in from people we've never met. From people we didn't know. $11,500 comes in the next week. And this guy that has the car is a Muslim. And we're sharing Jesus. And he keeps dropping the price for us. And then we get down to 11500 agreement. Guy's like, I'm going to lose my job. I can't sell this car this cheap. We sign the paperwork, and he's like, but you got to buy a battery and a, the title for the car. Battery's $100, and the title's $200. We said, look, we got enough money to fill our tank with gas and hit the road to Tete. And that's it. That's all we have. $11,500, and we're going to take off. But you got to, no, you're going to have to, my wife's like, you're going to do it. <laughs> you're going to buy it for us. And the guy's like, mm, I can't do that. My boss will fire me. But you, you can do it. So he pays out of his pocket for our title and our battery. <laughs> and so we fill our tank with gas and we go by faith. We move. We didn't sit in Maputo and say, Lord, we need $1,000 for fuel to get the four-day drive to Tete from Maputo, three-day, four-day drive to Tete, we didn't sit and wait. We said, okay, God, we've got enough tank. We've got a full tank. Now we're going to go. And we went, and we'll get to the next gas station and pray, Jesus, please let our debit card just cha-ching when we swipe this thing. If it don't, we're sleeping right here. And it would cha-ching every time all the way to Tet. And it looked like looking for land in a corrupt city where the government wants you to pay them under the table up front to even see you when you walk into their office. And we've got no money. And it was like going and standing in line five hours a day, six hours a day, sweaty hot, lying from here out the door. You get to the office and the guy looks at you and sees the color of your skin and says, come back tomorrow, I'm leaving, and walks away. And you come back the next day and he says, oh, I think it's time for lunch, come back tomorrow. And you go back the next day and he's still looking at you, waiting on you to pull money out. And you've waited in line all day, hot and sweaty and tired and stinky with all the other stinky people and standing there and the guy looking at you again and saying, come back tomorrow. But it looked like moving, getting up out of bed every day and going and saying, yes, Lord, you've called me. Yes, God, you've given me the gifts to build this home, but we need a piece of land to build a home on. How do I do that, Lord? How am I going to build this home? We ain't got no money. <laughs> I ain't got no, no, no power and authority in this country. I ain't got anything I really need here. But you said, and, and you gave me these gifts and these talents, and these boys need to be rescued. These boys need a home. And finally, persevering, saying yes, getting up every day and moving, being active to meet that need, the government Let's me into the office. Let's me sit down. What do you keep showing up here for? I've never seen a white man. We've never seen a white man come into our offices. They always hire a Mozambican to do the work. Why do you keep coming? 
You haven't given us no money. Why? Why? Why are you doing it? God said. God put a passion in me and and a desire and and he he's given me a love that I want to give to somebody else that nobody wants to give. And he starts opening the doors and we get a piece of land. And then we get the bill for how much the land's going to cost. And it's 45,000 mets, which was $1,500 at the time. We had $1,100 in our bank account that day. So it looked like not giving up, but writing a letter to the president saying, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, can you drop the price? We get the letter back. 33,000 Mets, he dropped the price to. How much was 33,000 Mets? $1,100. Exactly. We drained our bank account and bought a piece of land. We didn't know how we were going to eat the next day. We didn't know how we were going to do anything the next day, but we've got our piece of land. And it looked like getting up again and saying, Lord, we got to build a house, and all we can afford is two machetes today. Literally. So we go buy two machetes and go out there with our boys and we start chopping limbs, clearing this place, going to work, just by hand. Didn't wait for the money to rent a backhoe to just plow the land. We got out there and we started doing what we could do, chopping by hand, making burn piles, burning, hauling big boulders from the mountain, putting them there to build a retaining wall where there was a big washout. We've got enough money to buy one bag of concrete. All right, we're going to dig three foot of foundation. We're going to pour three feet of foundation today with one bag of concrete by faith. Trust God he's going to show up tomorrow. Now, four and a half years later, we have a miracle home. Shekinah Healing Home is built, and it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And every bit of it was done by faith. But it was active. It was us getting up and moving. And then God grabbing our heads when we go the wrong way. And him steering us the right way. And him showing up every day for every need when we needed it. Every day. So when we need it, he gives it to us. Every day. He meets our need. And we're a testimony of that. It looks like my wife, as crazy as she is, going in a good crazy, I mean, going and renting a, a brothel in the middle of brothels where women are, are, are being trafficked in sex slavery every day. One room becomes available because the woman that was there get, encounters Jesus and begs for a job. So Marlene hires her. I don't know, at that time, maybe our fourth maid cleaning a house about the, as big as that stage <laughs> just to meet a need and love on these women and show them Jesus and give them a way out, even though we didn't know how we we're going to feed them, much less pay their salary. But we say, yes, Lord. And then uh, the brothel opens up, so it looked like renting a brothel to turn it into a prayer room and going in there and meeting these women right where they are every day. And loving on them and praying with them and giving them a hug and asking them, what's going on? What's, what's going on in your life today? What do you need today? What do you need God to do in your life today? And it looks like ladies encountering Jesus, Jesus walking into someone's bedroom at night, wrapping his arms around them and telling them he loves them and that ain't the life he has for them. 
and them coming saying, I, I can't do this anymore. How do I get out? Well, we're going we're gonna to find a resource that you can do on your own, like paper, to be self-sustainable, and we're going to make some jewelry, and we're going to teach you how to make jewelry at a, a, a sustainable resource that's not expensive so that you can live a life outside of slavery. And it looks like having a three by five, uh, a four meter by five meter room. So it's about 20 feet by 16 feet wide, this little room. And it looks like when we got six women rescued out of sex slavery, that room's completely full. And there's no more space for women to work in there. But my wife saying, Lord, we need a new building. And, and then me, okay, God, we need a new building to rescue more women, but we have no money to build a new building. And the government hasn't approved a construction license to build a new building. But I, me, <laughs> lacking faith, sometimes saying, babe, we can't rescue any more women. There's no more space. Don't bring any more women home. Don't bring any more home. The next day or two, three later, see a new lady walking through the house. Hmm. What's your name? Hope. Your name's Hope. Nice to meet you. Tears. I love you and your wife for meeting me where I was. For giving me opportunity to leave that life. Thank you so much for bringing me into your home and giving me a chance. For leading me to Jesus. It looked like that room now with 15 women in it. Like this. Trying to roll paper into little beads to make a necklace. To getting so big, we got to put them outside in the prayer hut because they can't even fit in the room anymore. But Lord... We don't have the money to build a building, so we can't rescue more women. No, my wife, she keeps going, keeps rescuing more women and bringing them home. Bringing them home, bringing them home. And now, why does snow building's going up? Now, we get the construction license approved, but we have no money to build with. So we, did, we just get a shovel. We got a shovel. And the dirt's there. It needs to be moved. So we start moving dirt. We ain't got the money to build the building. But we got a shovel to move the dirt. So we start moving the dirt. Yes, Lord. We're believing, but we're moving. We're not waiting. We're not sitting on the couch waiting on you to put the 60000 in the account to build the whitest snow building. We're going to move dirt today because we got a shovel and we got hands and we can move some dirt. And we got some guys here that you gave us, and they're going to help us move some dirt because we got five shovels and we got three picks. So we're going to go out there and start digging a foundation for this building by faith. But we're not going to wait on you to come meet us. We're going to move, and you can meet us while we're moving. So we're moving, and then God keeps bringing finances. And before we know it, we're standing up there, and all these white and snow girls come out there, and they're worshiping God with all their hearts. And I'm standing there, and I said, babe, with her around my arm, how did we pour this slab? I don't know where the money came from. 
I don't know how we put these foundations in. I don't know how there's a slab right here. Where did the money come from? The numbers don't add up. We didn't have money on the first to pay the salaries. But somehow we paid every single salary and, and there wasn't even enough money to do that. But then we poured foundations and then we poured slabs too. How did we do it? I, I, I don't know how there's concrete right here right now. And then I look over there and I'm like, man, we've got, there's 1,500 blocks that we've built on our own. We make our own blocks from the ground up. There's 1,500 blocks sitting right there. And God spoke to some guy to donate 100 sacks of cement in Tete. And now all of a sudden our container's got 100 bags of cement in it. So we've got blocks and cement. Now we can start putting up the walls. But God, we got to go back to America now. To, to launch our coffee company. <laughs> because, God, you've given us this huge vision, this massive vision. But the donations, they don't match up with the vision. What's coming in doesn't match up with the vision. It's going to take 10 lifetimes if we're always waiting on donations to, do, to see this vision come to pass. There's no way. God, you gave me a brain. You gave me hands. You gave me an entrepreneurial mind. What can we do? Oh, you want to move again? You're going to move? You're going to get up? You're not just waiting on the offering from the church? I'm going to give you a business that I'm going to bless that's going to create millions of dollars to complete that vision. What does that look like, God? How are we going to start a business? We're over here in the dirt, loving people, meeting the the prostitute in the brothel, meeting the orphan on the street, giving them bread. How are we going to start a business? You're going to go on an anniversary trip to Vic Falls. And then you're going to randomly meet this guy named Bruce Vust in Harari, Zimbabwe. And then one day you're going to sit down and have lunch with him. And I'm going to speak to you and tell him that that's your business development director. Because when you ask him what his heart is, his heart's to create money for the kingdom. He wants to do a startup company. His ultimate dream is a, he loves Jesus. His ultimate dream is a startup company to create money for the kingdom. Millions of dollars I want to create for the kingdom, to build God's kingdom. It looks like, will you come on board with Pioneer 61? Will you be our business development director by faith? Looks like Bruce having to deny the first job opportunity he had been given in three years to walk onto something by faith with no promise of salary or anything and saying, yes, Lord, because there's a need that needs to be met. They need a business development director. What does that look like? It looks like God speaking to Nick and Marlene and saying, ask him what his salary that he was going to get from that job opportunity. 3000 a month. It looks like I want you, Nick and Marlene, to go tell Bruce that I want to bless him beyond what the world was going to give him. And I want you to believe me for $3,500 a month to give his family. And it looked like us not even having $3,500 a month coming in and saying, yes, God, we're going to believe you for that. Plus the $5,000 we need a month right now to operate at minimal. And it looks like God meeting the 5,000 and meeting the 3,500 as well every month for three years. 
and more and more and more because we're moving. We're saying, yes, God, and we're moving. We're seeing needs and we're meeting needs. But we're going out there with the tools he's given us today and moving with those tools and doing a little with those tools. And God comes and then he gives us and it looks like him giving us our dream land on the Zambezi River. We had $147 in our personal account and Nick and Marlene's personal account six months ago. $147 in our account and a, a piece of land we've been dreaming about to build our own home on. There is five minutes from Shekinah Healing Home. We meet with a guy, He won, six months earlier, he wanted $100,000 for this piece of land. And Marlene looks at him in the face and said, God wants us to have that land and you're going to, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I've prayed over that place and it's going to happen and we're going to wait for your call. And six months later, we get that call. I'm in need for money. I'll sell you the land for 20 grand. Well, we ain't got 20 grand. We got $147. But Jesus, we really want that land. We have no debt. Our ministry has no debt. None. Zero. We don't want to go in debt, but we really want that land. My wife's like, by faith, let's Let's see about a loan, even though that's not necessarily the wisest thing to do when you have, don't have any set income, taking a loan out. But let's try it. Let's, let's move. Let's move. Let's see what God does by faith. So call my mom. Can you check on a loan? Yeah. Check on the loan. They'll only give us 15000 because it's an insecure loan. So I'll go back and meet with the guy. Would you take 15000 That's all we can get right now by faith. No, all I can take 17000 well, we've got a film crew in Tete at that time filming a documentary. We're about to show you a little clip from Four More Lincolns and Shares. And they go out and pray on the lamb with us the day before. They're filming the documentary. The day before, they go out and pray over our lamb with us. And it looks like when I'm sitting with this guy offering him 15000 he says, no, all I can take is 17000 for this business deal I'm trying to do. So I call Marlene. She's like, what? We're in the brothels filming the documentary. What? I'm like, well, babe, he wants 17. Where are we going to get 2,000 more? We're not going to ask for it. We're not going to go ask people for money. We're not going to be orphans and beg. Just say yes. Trust God. Beep. <laughs> okay. Can you take, we're going to trust God for two more thousand. I don't know where it's going to come from. We're going to trust him. 17,000. Shake his hand. Get home. Daniel and Jennifer that were on the film crew, we were sharing with them, yeah. Oh, you won't believe what happened when we were praying over the land yesterday. God told us if the guy countered offered to pay the difference. So we're going to give you that $2,000. So now I'm finally at peace. Okay, if he's going to give us the $2,000, he's going to take care of the fifteen. dollars We're going to be able to make the payment by faith somehow. I'm not saying go out and buy a million-dollar house by faith that you're going to make that payment, but... <laughs> Okay, God, you're going to meet our need because and, and, you've already spoken to somebody. So we're going to do this. Call my mom. Mom, go to the bank. Get that loan. Okay. She's walking out of work, and the doctor she works for stops her. Where are you going? I'm going to the bank to get Nick and Marlene a loan. Wow. They found their dreamland they want to buy in Tete, Mozambique to build their own home on so that they can actually rest and not live inside the orphanage 24-7. You got any pictures? Yeah, some pictures. You don't need a loan. God just told me to buy the land for him. How much is it? <laughs> let's go down. The, it's 15000 Okay, let's go to the accountant's office right now. We'll wire the money to their account. 
Next day, I get on, get on my bank account. I'm checking, see if 15,000 is in there to start the wire transfer to this guy. There's 20,000? <laughs> Mom, Dr. Jones messed up. Go back to the accountant. There's 20,000 in our account. No, God told him to give 20. That was a surprise so you can start the construction on your house. So our testimony is we've built this home, and now we're building white as snow by faith to rescue many more women out of trafficking. We've got five boys now, beautiful boys, four of them. Four, hold on. My mind just, Huh? No, four, five, five, my mind's mine. Baby David, yeah, okay. Sorry, I got my numbers. All these numbers are money God's been giving us. It's confused me a bit. So, um, uh, we've got five boys now. Four of these boys were living in an abandoned car on the side of the road. And, and we went by faith and brought the government. The big faith looked like four and a half years in Mozambique and government not allowing us to open this home for kids to come in. But God, God, you said, God, you made a way, and here we are, four and a half years later, government, corruption, showing up, loving them, loving them, not getting angry with them, loving them right where they are amidst all their corruption, loving them. Finally, four and a half years, they say, now you can open the doors to this home that's been built for two years. And these boys can move in, and we take in five, four boys. And then it looked like, by faith, since Marlene and I have been here, baby David, a three-month-old, coming in. The government now bringing kids to us and saying, hey, we love what you're doing. You guys are doing an amazing job. Can y'all take another little boy in whose mom has is, is got mental problems and tried to kill him? Can you take him in? He's got, he's got AIDS. He might have TB too. Looks like by faith. Yeah, Lord, how are we going to take care of this three-month-old baby? We're going to believe you by faith. To start moving. You all got get every one of every person in this building has gifts and talents and, and passions and desires that God placed in you. Whether you know God put them there or not, it may be skateboarding. Who knows? But God placed these things in your heart. But when he called you, the word says that he set us apart. He called us by name and set us apart and chose us. And I believe that's when he started planting those desires in us. So find a need and start moving. Faith is active. When you move, God's going to show up and he's going to move. And not only is he going to give you what you need, he's going to give you your dreamland. He's going to give you your dream car. He's going to, because he, he's such a good father. He always shows up, meets our need, and then he goes above and beyond. Gave me my dream bicycle the other day. I love cycling. While I'm in the States, gives me my dream bike. Above and beyond our need in Mozambique, what we need, he's like, I care about the little things in your heart too. I want to give you your dream bike. He always shows up and meets it, but you got to move. God is not wait. He, he's not sitting there saying, sit on the couch a little bit longer and I'm going to crash in with that vision. He's saying, I've given you a desire, I've given you a passion. I've placed these things in your heart. And there's a, there's a, that door right back there. Look back there. That door may not be wide open, but my, I might can turn sideways and suck my gut in and fit through it. 
If God will let me, I'm going to go try. Oh, hey, if God don't want me to, my belly's not going to quite get through there. He's going to shut the door, or either he's going to let me go through, and then he's going to keep guiding me. So that's what I want to encourage you guys with. Um, this is an intro video to the documentary that we did, just a little clip of what it looks like in the brothels, in the prayer room that we've we've launched there. Um, these There's some women you're going to see that are actively still in human trafficking that we love on every week. We go and meet where they are because there's a need there. Take some chicken and rice, and Marlene says Jesus does the rest. And and so this is uh, you're going to see some of the women that are working in White Snow making the jewelry that's out there. All of that money goes back into them. Coffee companies launch. We've started Pioneer 61 Coffee Co. We're exporting coffee out of Zimbabwe into America, uh, a niche gourmet coffee. It's one of the best in the world, literally, from a, one of the, a world-renowned coffee roaster God blessed us with to create the money to do what we do. So um, know that everything back there, none of that goes in our pockets. It all goes back into the women of what is know or into our mission and what we're doing. But, um, yeah, here's a little video. And hopefully next year, uh, by the end of the year, the, vid- the, the documentary will be done. And next year we'll be able to maybe come do a launch with you guys or something and show the whole documentary. I mean, you took everything I was going to say, so might as well not stand up here. (sighs) I was going to talk about something else today, and then Jesus woke me up, and I wrote all these notes, and Nick did not know what I was going to talk about. He didn't read my notes, and I'm going through like, okay, you said that, you said that. I'm going to go really fast because he said everything, but I guess Jesus wants you to have faith. So I was going to talk to you about, I had it here, um, distractions, but no. So I'm going to read out of Mark 4.35. And it says, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side, leaving the crowd. They took him with them on the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose. And as the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep in the, on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care where we, that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? So <laughs> Jesus always calms the storms in our lives. Um, I'm going to be reading a lot of this because I think Jesus really wants you to know. Um, but so many of us can live our entire lives afraid and with no faith. That was me. I ran away from God for many years. Um, I didn't grow up knowing that I had a dad that loved me, a dad that had the best in store for me. So I was always afraid every step I took, I took in fear, not knowing that I had someone that actually loved me. But I love when it says here, um, let us go across to the other side. And he puts it in red. (laughs) 
because he wants you to always go to the other side. But just know when you go to the other side, there's going to be a storm because Jesus wants you to get to the other side, but the devil doesn't want you to get to the other side. So <laughs> you're like, okay, Jesus, I'm trusting you. Okay. And then whoosh, everything that could go wrong goes wrong, right? And um, so if that is happening to you, just know you're in the right place. God wants you to go to the other side. But know that he is a good God and he's always there for you. Um, I feel like Jesus is saying this morning, stop being afraid. He wants to take you to the other side. And yes, it won't be easy, but he will be with you. It is time to renew our mind. Trust me, the other side is not always easy, and your other side could be completely different from the person sitting next to you. My other side was he took me to Africa. Like, I wanted to be a fashion designer in Italy, but he took me to Africa. And um, I remember when I got there and they told me where I was going to be, there was goats and donkeys in the front yard. And I was like, Jesus, there's no way I'm moving here. Like, seriously, this is crazy. And on top of that, he, my home, before I met Nick, I lived in the ex-brothel for a year. But not knowing I was even going to rescue women, I went to Mozambique to the harvest school because I wanted to know that I was loved. I, all my life, if you, I was sexually abused, abandoned. So I didn't really grow up knowing parents that loved me. Um, so I went to, I was like, Jesus, okay, I'll give you my summer. I'm going to give you three months of my life. At the end of this summer, I want you to know, I want to know that you love me. And that happened when I was in Africa, and I encountered a God that chose me before I was even born. Um, and he showed me that the plans that he had for my life were not what I was thinking. It wasn't comfortable. And he said, would you trust me and stay here in Africa? And it was like, it was so hard because I was so afraid. I was like, God, you know, why would you want me to come here? Why would you even use me? Because the way I saw myself, I was a broken little girl, abandoned by everyone. Um, it was so funny when we were singing today, you're such a good father. Um, he reminded me of... When I came to Christ, everyone in my life that I had ever encountered let me down. But he's never let me down. I go to him, and sometimes when I'm having a tough day, I just <laughs> sit on his lap, and I'm like, Jesus, Dad, I need you today. I need you to do this or that, or I just need peace in my heart, or I... I'm praying for a lady or whatever it is. He's been the only constant one. He's been the only rock, the only one that has never let me down. And he won't let you down either because he loves you. Now that we become parents, when praise comes, like, and, and we're, I remember when he started walking, we were putting on the table. And I'm like, jump, trust me, I'll catch you. And, you know, I always did. And, and he would be like, I'm like, trust me. I'll, I got you. I won't let you fall. And your father is not going to let you fall either because he's that good. So I lived in this brothel. 
and um, there was no electricity. I had to carry my own water. The pastors literally would lock me in at 7 p.m. And I remember crying because I was a believer for eight months. And um, I became a missionary, so the pastors were strict and said, no, no, no. We don't think you can do anything ministry. We're just going to have you cook and wash dishes. And I had quit my $70,000 job and quit fashion school. So I was sitting in Africa crying, God, I quit everything. and You just have me as a maid. And then one day he was like, but would you do that just because I want you to? And it changed, you know. Sometimes we want to do things for men to say, wow, good job. But who cares about what people think? If your father in heaven is not proud of you, it does not matter. When I stand next to him, when I see him face to face, when we make it to heaven, I want him to say, Mar, I'm so proud of you. You did everything I asked you, even if it is to wash dishes. But if we do it with a great heart, with joy, he always blesses that. So I will, um, now I think it's funny that he put me in a bottle, but it was just him guiding our steps. Um, I never had a passion to rescue women, but I did have a passion to rescue kids from sex slavery because I was like, I never want those kids to, went through, to go through what I went through. I felt like my innocence was stolen, and I'm like, I'm going to be an advocate for that not to happen to other children. But... Like six months ago, I was riding a bike with my husband, and just he all of a sudden said, do you know why I put you to live in a brothel the first year you were here? And I was like, not really, Jesus. And he reminded me of times where I would walk the rooms because I lived there all alone, and I could feel the pain of this woman. And I would just go to my room and pray, and I was praying in tongues. I didn't know what I was saying or what I was praying, and he showed me, and he showed me a vision exactly of when I was praying in tongues, and what I was saying was, he did the translation, what I was saying was, Jesus, give me a heart for the women I'm about to rescue. It's crazy, because I sat in that brothel not knowing that. I sat there thinking, Jesus, you just brought me to wash dishes, but I was praying, and and tongues, and, and I was saying, Jesus, give me a heart for the women that I'm about to rescue. I didn't know I was going to rescue women. And then one day I was praying for India because I always had a heart for India, and it's a huge, huge sex industry. So I thought I was going to go to India, and I just heard Jesus say, I've given you authority over this land. And I'm like, well, Jesus, what does that mean? Because there's no prostitutes here. Nikolai lived in the village. We didn't have any friends, so we went to bed around 8, 8.30, and we didn't know any other people that were not Mozambicans, so we started getting to know other friends, and I asked, do you know there's prostitutes here? They're like, yeah, they're in the city, so that was maybe a Wednesday. I was like, babe, you have to take me. I just have to let them know that Jesus loves them, and he took me with my other a missionary that was there, and he would sit in the car while I just go tell ladies, hey, do you know Jesus loves you? Simple. Christianity is simple. The way we show love is simple. We sometimes make it so complicated. 
It's not complicated at all. Sometimes when you're at Walmart or Target or whatever, and a, somebody's being mean to you and doing at the register, instead of saying, gosh, that lady's so mean, you have no idea what they're going through. And maybe you're the person that God chose that day to say, oh, ma'am, I know you're having, you look like you're having a, a lot, like a bad day, but I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you. And I'm going to pray for you. But instead, sometimes we're like, oh, my gosh, it was so rude. Like, why is she even working, you know? Like, it's simple. It's simple. And um, I remember the second Saturday that Nick took me out, uh, I met Tatenda, the first lady we rescued. And I remember that day before we went out, I was like, Jesus, I want you to tell me how you see them because I don't want to call them prostitutes. I want to know how you see them. I want to speak life. And he said, Mar, I see them white as snow. And I was thinking, wow, God, like you're such a good dad. Like you see us white as snow. He doesn't see what you're going through. He doesn't see your struggles. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the finishing part. He sees you white as snow. He sees he paid the price at the cross. So he sees you white as snow. And that day, Jesus highlighted Tatenda to me. And I sat next to her and I said, hello. And she goes, hi. And I'm like, do you know Jesus sees you white as snow? And then she looks at me and tears automatically start coming. She goes, there's no way Jesus can see me white as snow. You have no idea what I've done. And I say, you're right. I don't, but he does. And he told me he sees you white as snow. And that day we decided to take her home because she told me she had left her little nine-month-old by herself, by himself, which is now our son. She used to work at night to be able to get milk for him in the morning. So we took her home that day, and she was like, what do I have to do? God told me to give her a 1,000 meds. And I said, all you have to do is talk to Jesus. And that day, it's when Nick was saying, he came into the room just hugged her and told her how much he loved her. Didn't matter that she had sold her body for seven years. That didn't matter to Jesus. He told her he loved her. And that transformed her life. Sometimes we have encounters that transform your life in a second. You know, I ran away from God for many years. And um, I remember when I, why I came to Christ was because I had four car accidents in three days. And I'm thinking, Jesus, my mom used to take me to church, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, the devil is trying to kill me, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to go to hell. So I was like, I'm going to church. And that day, <laughs> I don't want to go to hell. You know, it's a hot place. <laughs> so they tell me. And um, so I went and accepted Jesus out of fear, not knowing that is so much more than that. But I remember that day when they made the call. I said, Jesus, I did it my own way. I ran, away, I ran away from you for so many years. I no longer want to do that. I give you my life today. And I was 
you know, I used to be a heavy drinker, and I was addicted to cocaine the day that I accepted Jesus. And I said, Jesus, today those chains will break. I never want to touch cocaine again. And I never had to because he's a good dad. <laughs> like Nick, Nick was saying, um, I started working with street kids. I always love to feed people. It's my love language. I love food, so I love to feed. And I found these street kids on on the streets. And it's funny because when I start, I accepted Jesus, two months later, I was feeding the homeless of San Francisco. And when I went to Africa, my boys, which are grown men, were like, we feel like you loved us. It's told us about Jesus now. And there's some boys that really, really need you in Africa. And it was so prophetic because when I found them, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's true. I found some other ones. And I just started feeding them and, like, sitting with them, getting to know their story. And one day Jesus said, would you build a home for them? And I was like, hey, I'm single, have not even married. My church used to send me $250 a month. And I'm like, how am I going to build a home, Jesus? And he, he just was so good. He said, um, have faith and trust me. And I remember telling Jesus how I couldn't do this. The things that I couldn't do, like, I don't know how to build. I'm a girl. Like, I don't have money, Jesus. Like, I gave him all the whys why I couldn't do this. And he just simply said, have faith and trust me. And then he sends my husband to me. He's a builder. Like, come on. He's so good. So... In Matthew 7, 7, it says, seek and you will find me. So have faith and trust me. That's how it all started. And that's what I did. And if somebody would have told me that it would have taken three and a half years to build that home, maybe I would have wanted to give up. But I said, okay, Jesus, let's do this home. And I wanted to give up maybe day 47 and 82 and... If somebody would have told me it would have taken four and a half years for boys to actually live there. Like our older boys that I started working with didn't come into this house. And I could have said, Jesus, you told me to build a house for these boys. And how dare they? They're grown now. They're not even coming into this house. But when I saw on July 23rd of this year... The four boys, I'm sorry. When I saw those four little kids, 8, 10, 11 years old, coming into our house from the street, barefooted, and I saw them coming into this beautiful home, I knew it was the perfect timing, and I knew who am I to question Jesus. And sometimes we're so easy to abandon dreams because they've taken so long. And sometimes the, the dreams that you have, they're not going to take a day or two. You just have to persevere, and you have to keep going, and you have to keep trusting when it's not easy. And you keep saying yes, even when it's hard. 
I mean, if you guys were here, last time you know somebody came to our house and tried to rape me, it wasn't easy. I stayed in this country, and I couldn't even see a black man. I mean, their smell would make me go into a panic attack, but I knew, I knew Jesus was not done with me in Africa. And now I think, thank Jesus I didn't leave, because if not, why the snow wouldn't be into effect? I wouldn't have the most beautiful son anyone has ever seen. He's gorgeous. He's so full of life from the nine-month-old baby that was left with just an empty bottle to someone full of life that loves country music and (laughs) (laughs) wants to wear big boy underwear with cowboy boots in Mozambique when it's 120 degrees. I'm thinking, wow, Jesus, he does that. I could have never imagined that. So I just want to encourage you. Sometimes you have to step out in faith, just like Nick was saying. You know, it takes a move. We can't just sit all the time. And I love coming here because I look out and, oh, you guys are so young. And I'm thinking, yes, you have your whole life. And maybe it's God's been talking to you about maybe you're going in school and all of a sudden he wants to change where you're going. And that's okay. You could trust him in that. You could say, Jesus, if that's what you have for me, I'll do it. Because how horrible would it be for you to make it to heaven one day and say, Wow, look what I had, but you chose to put me in a little box. You chose not to trust me. You chose not to walk in faith. And it takes faith. And and trust me, faith is so scary sometimes. And and to this day, sometimes on on the 1st and the 18th, when we we have over... 40-something families that we're responsible for to pay a salary to. And sometimes my bank, our bank account doesn't match that. And I still have to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, but I trust you. You know these people need this finances so they can eat. It's not so they can have luxuries, but so they can live. And he always comes through. He's never failed us once. We've paid some people late a couple of times, but never, never have we not paid a salary or fed somebody because he's our dad, and he provides, and he's good, and he always is faithful, always. So if you guys can get up, please. I'm not going to keep you very long. I feel like Jesus wants to get us out of our comfortable zone. And trust me, when he picks you up from comfortable to uncomfortable, it's going to hurt. It's going to be stretching. I remember sitting there in this brothel, and I didn't have any friends. There was no internet when I made it to Mozambique. So literally, I didn't have any friends. The pastors that were there were Brazilians. And I couldn't even speak to them. So Jesus became my everything. He became my best friend. He became my mom, my dad, my everything. And what what I learned in that season is that if you seek him, you will find him. And if you don't know where you're going or if you're having trouble in your marriage or um, with your kids or in school or you're just like, Jesus, what do you want from my life? He will show you. He wants to show you today. He wants to show you, but you have to 
go and talk to him. You have to seek him. You have to have a relationship with him. When you have a friend, you, you want to get to know that friend. You talk about everything just like that's just how he is. I just feel like don't worry about your neighbor right now. Nobody's going to make fun of you. And if they do, it doesn't matter. But I just feel like we have to say, Jesus, we just lay everything at our feet. We just lay, Jesus, we just lay our worries at your feet, Papa God. We need you, God. We need you, Papa. Whatever your fears is, whatever your struggles are, I feel like he's just saying, lay it at my feet. I got this. I got this. Don't be afraid to lay it at my feet. I'm not going to let you down. He's not going to let you down because he's a good dad. He sees your future. He sees you white as snow. He sees who you are. You have chosen a royal nation. You are chosen. And he wants to do great things with you, but you just have to lay some things at his feet. So why don't you just do it, whatever it is. If it's a dream, if it's a job, if it's finances, if it's whatever it is, I don't know, but you do. So Jesus, we just come right now, Papa God. We lay all of our fears at your feet, God. It's so hard. There's so many distractions in this world. I don't want the world to tell me which way to turn, God. I want to follow you. I want to be sold out for you. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. I want to do what you want me to do, God. I want to follow you. I want to be in love with you. Would you just seek him, please? Jesus, 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 we need you, God. You're such a good father. You're such a good father, Papa God. I thank you because you've never let us down. Even when we're running from you, even when we let you down, you still pick us up in your arms and you still love us the same. Just like when I go into the brothels and I tell ladies, I, was, I always tell them, even if you leave prostitution right now, Jesus cannot love you anymore. And that's what it is. Whatever your struggles are, he can't love you anymore. There's just so much love that he has for you right now. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your struggle. He sees a perfect, beautiful son and a perfect, beautiful daughter that he's called to do great things. He's called you to do great things. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to pray for you guys. And um, if you if you feel like that God's calling you to to start your faith, to start moving. And um, I, I'm sure there's some people here today that God has really birthed in your heart some things or shown you things and you haven't really acted on it. You've been waiting and um, waiting on God to, to do his part. So kind of a cop-out we tend to use a lot. Well, I'm waiting on God to do this. God's not... You, <laughs> God's waiting on you to get up. That's what he's waiting on. He's waiting on you to move. And so if you're in that place where, where um, you really feel like God's wanting you to start moving on something, to, to be more active, to get up and start, start going by faith and trusting him to move, I want you guys just to 
Well, I guess just come up here. Just come up to the front, and we're going to pray over you and bless you guys. Anybody that wants to to move, now's the time to start moving. <laughs> Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, we just pray for this body, these people here right now. God, I pray. Lord, for these chosen people, God, that you would just light a fire in them to move, God. Start moving. Start moving. Start moving and watching you show up and meet them in their action, in their movement. God, I just pray that you would just begin to open the doors for these people to move, God, that they would begin to take a step, step by step, and go. And go, that they would have the faith to just start to move and and let you be a good father and show up as they're moving, God. That they wouldn't wait any longer. They wouldn't wait on what they need. They wouldn't wait on finances. They wouldn't wait on a friend to go with them. That they wouldn't wait on their family's approval, God. You say to leave it all. You say that we're not worthy if we can't leave our father and our mother and go, God. We're not worthy if we can't pick up our cross and follow you every day. So, Lord, I just pray for faith and outpouring of faith, of active faith right now amongst these people, God. Active faith right now in Jesus' name that they would be active and start moving, God, and going and doing, God, and not waiting. I feel like, I feel like there's some people here that are up here now that God's really birthed some big things, and I feel like one thing is business. Um, there's entrepreneurial minds right here, right now, that God's really birthing you, launching business, startups, new things um, that you don't feel like you can do and you can conquer. Maybe you don't have a degree, or maybe you haven't finished school, um, maybe you dropped out and quit. Um, whatever it looks like, I just feel like God's saying you start moving. You're thinking, oh, it's going to take $100,000 to start up this business, but you're not doing anything for God to show up and meet you where you are for that to happen. You're waiting on Him, and He's really waiting on you. So we bless that, Lord, that that that, that the entrepreneurial um, mind that some of these people have, God, you would bless it and that they would move and be active, God. We pray for businesses to launch that will that will fund kingdom work, God, that businesses would launch that are just a means of ministry. Yeah, they make money, but they're a means of the gospel going forth to people that come in and out of every day, the people they encounter every day. God, I just pray that people would say yes right now, God. They would say yes. No, but I said this last year when I was here, and I say it pretty much every time we speak anywhere. God's looking for a yes with no buts. He's looking for a yes generation. And right now, I feel like we are the yes generation. We're the yes generation to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. No, but. No, but I need money or but I need this or but I need my dad's approval. Yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, right now, right now, right here, where I am, I'm giving you a yes. I'm saying, yes, I will go. Yes, I will do it, God. Yes, I will walk out the passions and the dreams and the purposes you created me for. I'm going to start moving today, God. Today, I'm going to move by faith. We say this all the time. We walk by faith, not by sight. But the thing is, we don't ever do the walking part. (laughs) 
We don't ever do the walking part. We walk by faith, not by sight. When we actually are sitting, just using our vision sight to wait on God to come and move. And God is waiting on us to walk by faith. So, God, I just we just bless this group right now, God, that they would walk by faith, God, that they would move and be active, God, that they would go and do it. Not everybody's got to go to Africa or some crazy third world nation. Man, there's so much to do right here in America to move and be active. And I, I really feel like America is in a, a, a vital season for a desperate, well, I, everybody knows if you're a believer that God, America needs God, but I feel like right now is really a vital time for a huge move of God. Not small, but big. And, and like I said earlier, I feel like, especially here in America, Christianity is in our hands, guys. We can watch America go down the drain. America can look like Mozambique in a matter of no time if we don't do something. Our nation, this nation, can literally go to poverty and go to crap really fast. It doesn't take long for a nation to crash. And, and, and it's going downhill. We all see that. But Man, it's in our hands right now. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? We've got to stand up and be bold. It's, it's time. It's, God has he's shown us visions. He's handed mantles down of, of leaders. And, and it's our turn. It's our turn. It's, it's your turn right now to stand up and do something bold for God. To do something bold. To be part of a movement that could radically change America. So, God, I just pray that, um, yeah, there's some nation shakers here right now that are going to shake America up. God, they're going to say, yes, Lord, I want to see revival in America, and not just a, a week-long church revival, but I want to see it go from one end of this country to the other, and I want to see this place shaking, shaking where people are letting go of everything, and they're saying, yes, God. Yes, Lord, whatever you have for us. Yes, Lord, we need you. But he needs somebody to be a voice. And I feel like right now he's wanting somebody to just shout and say, yes, God. Yes, God, for this nation. Say, yes, Lord. Na America needs to hear a shout. Our nation right now, this nation needs to hear a shout. It needs to hear the walls shaking and the ground moving because we say, yes, Lord, we're going to stand up and we're going to stand up against injustice. We're going to stand up against all these movements that are, that are from the kingdom of hell and darkness. And we're going to stand up for a movement of God, a king, the kingdom of righteousness to go forth in our nation, God. We're going to stand up. We're going to love those people, but we're not going to tolerate sin. And, and we're not going to tolerate Satan to operate in our families and in loved ones. We're not going to allow that. Jesus, just move in, in hearts of people that are called to America. I just feel this, this burden for America right now for some of you guys that have a heart for this nation, for America. But God wants you to do something big, like we're doing something big in, in Mozambique, and you're thinking, oh, that's not for me. And God's saying, yes, it is for you. It's not just for Nick and Marlene to do something big in Mozambique, but I want you to do something big right here, right now, in this nation. Jesus, I pray that not one person walks out of this place today, God, 
the same, that we really, 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 we say that, but I pray that we don't walk out of here the same, God, that I don't walk out of here the same, that I give you a bigger yes than I've ever given you before, God. I pray that every person in this room walks out of here giving you a bigger yes, praying for more dreams and more visions and more passion. God, I just pray that you would give more vision and more dreams right now in every heart and every mind that they begin to dream bigger and envision more and believe you for more, believe you for, for the millions of, of dollars that's needed. We Finances are needed to change the world. You need finances to reach people. And, 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 and we can believe God for that. There's such a poverty mindset in the church today, and I feel like that God is wanting us to dream big and believe big, and not for us to build million-dollar homes like so many people do, but to really give it back to God for Him to use. So, yeah, I want to go back to the business thing. I want to bless some of these business minds. Like, if you're called to business, you feel like God's called you into to business, entrepreneurial, He's giving you something entrepreneurial, raise your hand. Wow, come on, Jesus, come on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> it takes money to move. It does. It really does. It takes money to put food in your tank so you can get up and move. It takes finances. And so I just really feel like there's a, God wants to give an outpouring of the gift of faith for people to believe for, 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 for big finances in this room. And, and I've never said anything like this before, but I really feel it in my heart that God is wanting some of you, you have a vision that is so big and beyond you. And the biggest fear you have is the financial need to do that and to walk in that. And I feel like God is just going to give you everything you need as you walk in it, just like us. From $400 in one-way flights to over $1.5 million have gone through our hands in four and a half years' time just by faith, by saying, yes, Lord, and acting and moving. And there's a lot more to come. And, and God has got the same for some of you. I feel like that and even more to do big, big, big things, big, big, big things right here in America through the business sector. When we start our coffee company, God told us he was blurring the lines between ministry and business and, and going to open up business as an avenue of ministry, whereas the past we got church here and business here and we keep it so separated. But God is really, I, I, as we started up a company on our own, a startup company from the scratch with nothing, to send in a, our first shipment of coffee to America. I get excited about it. And we, we had nothing to start with, zero, nothing. And now we've invested $50,000 into this company getting off the ground that's just by faith. God's done it. And now we're selling coffee and it's happening and it's not where we want to see it. And there's a lot of things that have come up that we could have gave up on and quit, but we just keep saying, yes, Lord, and we're still believing him. So I, I want to encourage you with what Marlene said, that when you do step out and you go and you believe him for that, yes, and you start walking by faith, there will be the storm because the enemy is going to try to shut you down with fear. He's going to cripple you with fear, with doubt, with worry with sicknesses and illnesses. We've had malaria and almost died. I've had the devil come through the floor in the room and say he was going to kill me. And 
my, my flesh caught on fire, literally. I've got psoriasis all over my body now where the devil's attacking my flesh and I've got sores and my legs hurt. My back is in worse shape than it's ever been in my life. Every day I wake up and I'm in pain. But we don't stop. We keep saying yes. And that's just stupid little stuff the enemy does to try to shut us down. So when you start moving by faith, be ready. It's going to happen. But all that is is just testimony. I call these this psoriasis all over me, these sores and scars. I call it my war wounds because it just means I'm in the battlefield. And, and, and the devil isn't happy. So when, when that stuff comes on, when you get that, those attacks, just know it's because you're on the right track. If you're in the stadium in the stands, you're not going to get bruised up. It's when you get down there on the field and start doing something is when, when you're going to get beat up and banged up. So that, that means you're on the right track. So we encourage you guys, Lord, we just bless this body. We bless the awakening, and we pray for an awakening in these hearts today, God, that these people say, yes, Lord, by faith and start moving in whatever direction it is, business, ministry, all of it being one at the end of the day and glorifying you. We pray that they say yes, and they go, and they start moving, God. And that any time they want to sit down and wait on you, God, I pray for a fire to be lit under their tails, that they'll get back up and start moving by faith again. And when one door shuts, they'll go looking for the next door to open. And when another door shuts, they'll look for the next door to open and keep moving. Sometimes it takes a hundred doors shut to find the one that opens, that unleashes exactly what we need. So we bless that. We bless you guys in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's uh, give a shout to the Lord just to thank him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord.